0: Hello, Interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Action cinema. The best movies which don't get enough praise by award shows. Just same. The genre has existed since practically the dawn of film itself, and we're continually treated to new offerings which promise to whisk us away to lands where violence is fun. But not all action is created equal, and the genre has evolved considerably over the past century. Today, Ryan and I talk about the evolution of action cinema and compare and contrast why new movies are the way they are versus the old ones. Zooming into our medium shot now, what's your general history with the action genre? I mean,
1: I'm, like,
2: I'm, I'm a film kid, right? So the first thing you probably see as a kid is something actiony, you know, nothing too crazy in terms of gore or exploitiveness. It's just something that you sit your kid in front of. Yeah, something like that, just to get them to do something for two hours. And, um, in the modern day, I grew up watching a lot of different types of action movies. we I grew up watching the Transformers movies, or the live-action ones. The Daniel Craig James Bond ones, the from, from memory. And um not Fast and Fears, sorry Fast and Fears fans, but that's not my shtick. And uh it's just one of those types of genres where you can't you don't have to turn off your brain for it, but it is just one of those things where you don't have to take it too seriously. But I think that's kind of the charm of the genre as well, where when they come up with the term popcorn movie, this is the genre that's perfect for it, where this is something you go to with your buddies. You have lots of fun watching them. And you come out feeling better or feeling like you could take on the world because, you know, you just saw an action movie and you're like, hey, I can do that. And um, there's different types of action movies, especially from, you know, the 60s up to the 80s, like heyday of, you know, the renaissance of action movies until to, to the modern ones. And, you know, there's so many different amazing ones and so many different bad ones. And I'm sure we'll go through (laughs) each uh, here today.
0: Yeah. My action movies when I was a kid, I was raised a lot on George Lucas and Steven Spielberg stuff. We've been talking a lot about those last couple episodes, but star Wars, Indiana Jones, those kind of things. Also stuff like I'm completely drawing a blank on every action movie I ever (laughs) watched as a kid. But uh, yeah, I, I watched the James Bond stuff as well when I got a little bit older. I remember it being around... Oh yeah, I also grew up on like Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, the superhero movies right, sort yeah. of thing. Early Marvel, Christopher Reeve Superman, classic Marvel in DC. Well, classic now, new at the time <laughs> in the case of Spider-Man. But yeah, so I grew up on more light action stuff. I've never really been a fan of heavy, intense, gory action because... It always just felt gratuitous to me. I don't like, I always like action movies that make you think about something and entertain you. That's why Spielberg has always fascinated me a lot because he's always managed to thread that needle between being intellectual and just generally entertaining in a way most directors don't. A lot of them feel the way to go is artsy or just dumb, but I grew up on both, so I don't associate action movies as having to settle for mediocrity, they can be special, they can be art forms in their own right, we're going to be talking about a lot of them today, even ones a lot of people don't love, like The Phantom Menace, that movie is the one that inspired me to get into filmmaking in general, and I don't know if I've ever told the story before, but I'll just, here's the quick story of why I got into filmmaking, so when I was about seven years old, my brother was obsessed with Phantom Menace, specifically Duel of the Fates. That whole sequence over and over again, he'd request my parents to put in our DVD and we'd watch it every single day. Not the whole movie, just Duel of the Fates. And I kind of went through this love-hate relationship with it. I was like, oh wow, this is the coolest thing ever. And then I got bored because I had to watch the same thing every day. And then even me at seven years old was like, well, if I got to watch it every day, I started looking for different things in it, started appreciating the filmmaking behind it. What the music and the action and the cinematography and everything came together to create this iconic scene. And that's what inspired me. I got to get into film. I want to be able to replicate this and give other people the feeling that, George Lucas and Lucasfilm are giving me right now at seven years old. And ever since then, I've been on a course to the film industry. So, action movies are my inspiration for getting into all this in the first place.
1: So, there you have it.
0: So, from that, we'll get into our close up and talk about these action movies. We're going to try to focus more on Western action movies than their eastern counterparts sorry to i just offended a whole lot of action fans out there it's not because they're not worth talking about they definitely are frankly most of them are a a good chunk of them are better than their western counterparts our experience is pretty limited though to Mm -hmm. american and maybe some british movies hollywood stuff mostly is the problem we you know, we watched John Woo stuff or Jackie Chan movies or Bruce Lee like we watched some of that stuff back in college in our film classes, but not familiar enough with it to talk about it at length and not look like fools. So we're gonna yeah, stick exactly. with we're, we're gonna stick with what we know today. Maybe
2: we acknowledge that the action in those Hong Kong, especially the Hong Kong action movies, is probably some of the best in terms of choreography. Uh, with the Jackie Chan, uh, Bruce Lee type stuff, and um, Donnie Yen stuff as well, Yeah, just well-executed. The stunts are insane, Um, especially those types of movies where, and we'll bring this up later on, it was more so about the, I mean, there was a good story element to those as well, but it was more so about the how can they level up in terms of stunt work and uh, spectacle in terms of the fighting as well, especially with Jackie Chan, where he, um, <clears throat> he was very much a prop heavy guy and how he could use each prop in order to use it in in the action as well. Like there's parts where he's fighting naked and he's using plates to cover up his junk, but he's also using them to block people's fists. It's really funny. He's a great, great actor, great um great physical you Yeah. And I'm glad he got his Oscar a few years ago. Honorary Oscar.
0: So yeah, we might sprinkle in some knowledge about Eastern films here and there, but... Anyway. So, before we start comparing and contrasting, we're going to talk about the evolution of action as a genre in film. Action as a genre... Arguably started with the very first film, you could say, where the one with the train pulling into the station, I don't remember the name of it. That's technically an action film. A lot of people would say it's the first action film. Sure an action is happening on screen. It's just the camera's at the train station and the action is the train pulling into the station. People ran out, allegedly, I don't remember if this is true, they allegedly ran out of the theater when they first saw this thing because they couldn't fathom that this thing they're seeing wasn't an actual train coming Mm -hmm. at the screen at them. People I have a friend
2: who thinks that's complete bogus, but he's kind of a stickler for that type of stuff.
0: It might just be a story. I don't know. But I like the idea that even back at the very first film that we consider, the first film, it still gave people those kind of thrills and chills that you get from action movies today, or that movies are still trying to emulate to this day. They've had Mm -hmm. to evolve throughout the years from when just a train pulling into a station was enough to freak people out and make them get their adrenaline pumping. We have to try harder and harder over the years, and you're going to see that escalation over time. Mm -hmm. But the genre didn't really start in earnest until Edwin Porter's The Great Train Robbery, 1903, which they make us watch in all the film classes because it was a milestone in editing, specifically, to make this whole story of burglars trying to hijack a train and steal all the money while the law came after them. And Yeah, it was just it's there's not much to it. That's really all it is, It's just robbers hijack the train and the police go after them and that's and they had this shootout in the woods and that's about it. But it was <laughs> it was mind blowing at the time. You never had full on sequences like this of Well, the violence is one thing, but It's just, oh, we're we're watching people who aren't us, who aren't real, do these amazing things that we could only fantasize about. Train robbery seems so exotic. Oh, that's like the old, something that would happen in the Old West. That's, oh, I can read about this stuff. I can picture it in my mind, but I'm actually seeing something I've never experienced play out in living through it viscerally. That's the appeal of action movies right from the very beginning you get to experience something dangerous that you would hope to never be in that situation in real life but watching it through film is a wondrous
1: experience yeah yeah Yeah.
0: anything to add there
1: agreed uh no
2: I think you said, I think you said it pretty well. I don't have much to talk about like before the
0: for the evolution. Yeah, so, 60s and 70s stuff. So then action evolved over time in the 10s, 20s, 30s. Action became more about it was it was a lot of it was drawn from theatrical experience. It was more stage-like theater. There's a lot of sword fights and kind of heroes in in that vein. It's more like play action in a way. It it feels more stilted and fake. And then you got your Charlie Chaplins and Buster Keaton, who used a lot of their action for comedic purposes. But they were fantastic mm-hmm. physical performers, and put themselves in real danger for our entertainment, which they were some of the most famous early stunt performers, and they really they paved the way for your Tom Cruises or Jackie Chans or whoever's putting their life in danger for our entertainment today is we owe back to Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and those kind of guys in the twenties hmm
2: yeah, I think Jackie Chan has stated that he is very much um, I mean, he's inspired by a lot of Hong Kong action as well, but also inspired by uh, Buster Keaton as well in terms of his action.
0: Yeah. So then in the 30s, action starts evolving even more because in 1927, we get synced sound in movies and that comes into full force by the 30s. We have talkies. So not on only are we seeing action take place, but we're hearing it. We get maybe the onset of things like sound effects or musical cues to really hammer home the feelings we're supposed to feel watching these things. It just, yeah, it's, uh, it's getting the more complete package or even a heightened package of what the experience would be like. So that helps the audience, it's just another level for the audience to immerse themselves in what's happening. And in this period, we start getting the onset of the action hero, with actors like Douglas Fairbanks portraying Zorro, or maybe even more famously, Errol Flynn is Robin Hood. These Prototypical swashbuckling heroes with swords and fancy costumes who run around beating the forces of evil. Which we still watch films like that all the time today. The superhero film is the most lucrative genre, subgenre of action out there right now. And we owe it to these guys in tights back in the 20s and 30s paving the way as well.
1: We're men. We're men in tights. Anyway.
0: Classic. So the well I I'll I'll skip over that for a bit. So then in in the 40s we start getting a lot more war inspired pictures cuz World War II was the big thing happening at that time. Mm. So people wanted to see a lot the of the big thing.
2: <laughs> Literally the only thing going on. <laughs> yeah, mostly.
0: So people wanted to see a lot of war movies at that time. I mean a lot of them were Propaganda pieces, mind you, but well, I mean, they worked. They got people. Yeah, they, ra- worked. they got people we roused won. up. Yeah. <laughs> because the Germans' filmmaking was not as good. That's the that's the lesson.
2: Did they even make films?
0: If actually, they did, it's probably
2: all destroyed.
0: Well actually, yes. <laughs> I mean the 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 German war films Hitler commissioned for propaganda are some of the most famous pieces of propaganda. Oh, no, you're right. We yeah. had to study some of those in film school because of... Hitler knew film was a very useful tool for changing the minds of the masses. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Too
2: bad he failed art school.
0: Well, that's why he got other people to do it better than him. <laughs> and they still oh, teach God. about them in film school. Nazis are bad, but... They are bad. But their films have... Interesting. Wait, no, go on. Keep artistic. going. Move it.
2: Move it along. For, for better purposes. Move it along. Use them for better purposes. Move it along.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so then I'm we are Trying to help you. Lot. Yeah. Digging, digging a hole. So we have Westerns. Westerns were a pretty big thing after that because I guess after World War II, people wanted to go back to simpler time. Just guys
1: out on the range.
0: Yeah. Just guys out and. The vast wilderness of America living by skin of their teeth and surviving bandits and mm-hmm. trying to settle the land and it was just Yeah. Good versus evil kind of things, trying to bring a lot of the land. And that was It wasn't pretty, even
2: like movies either. It was also TV shows. Like TV shows both, though, like Gunsmoke it's, was the it's longest crazy running. How TV. Much Gunsmoke yeah.
0: was the longest-running... I think it still is the longest-running live-action show. It ran for 20 seasons, something like that.
2: It's crazy how much, like, the Western genre just plagued all of entertainment for around that time. It's insane.
0: Yeah, big stars like John Wayne were kind of the, John
2: Wayne, the face of it. Clint Eastwood, a little bit. Clint Eastwood, bit, Eastwood yeah.
0: a little bit, but not till the Western got its...
2: Not a little bit later, yeah.
0: That's when the Western got its... Evolution, but that comes a bit later. So that was mm-hmm. that was kind of the '40s. But you know, yeah, let's talk let's talk about the evolution a little bit. Which I'll, I'll get more into soon. But the '60s were a time of change, as we all know, uh, and they movies were getting more violent. That that's really the big thing about the '60s is they started actually pushing the envelope with action. The classic good versus evil stuff. Everyone gets a happy ending. Those kind of movies in general were falling out of favor. The 60s got Mm -hmm. darker, more real, more not everyone, not the good guys don't always win. Sometimes brutal things happen, and we're going to show them on screen in horrific ways because we're trying to trigger a whole new set of emotions now. The old movies worked on old people, but... Hey, it's a new time. We've seen all those movies before. We're desensitized to them. We got to keep pushing. So you get movies like, I remember one of the ones that was pretty noted at the time for being super violent was Bonnie and Clyde. In the, I think, 1967 Mm -hmm. that was. Where they're using blood squibs a lot and shooting up people and the bad guys are the protagonists. And this is shocking at the time. The And they're... Yeah, I mean, they're in classic gangster fashion. They get their comeuppance at the end by the, by the police. But the thing about Bonnie and Clyde is that they were more sympathetic than other gangsters in film. Because those were the rules. You weren't supposed to let a gangster be sympathetic in film. But Bonnie and Clyde, we kind of rooted for, and it felt like an injustice when they, when they lose in the end. Which was huge at the time. Because it's like, wait, 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 we're, we're not supposed to feel bad that these gangsters mm-hmm. lost. What's, what's going on here? And they, and they lost yeah. so violently in big shootouts with lots of blood. This is weird. And movies would only continue to get worse.
2: Yeah. It's crazy. That movie impacted people so much. A lot of people haven't seen that movie, but they've seen that like ending scene the ending. where they both get shot up to bits.
0: Spoilers. It's so
2: violent. What's so history. Look, relax. All right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So then in the 70s, we, we start getting into other more violent action films. Stuff like Dirty Harry was also a, a big thing around the time. Like police movies were big yeah. in the 70s. And I remember I watched Dirty Harry a couple months ago, and I was pretty surprised by how that movie went because it does get pretty dark at a point. Those are the movies that we're starting to get blend the action genre with societal commentary as well. And in Dirty Harry, They're saying the law doesn't work. Vigilantism is more the way to go because the system can only go so far. It doesn't. It doesn't. It catches the guys, but it doesn't keep them. People can get away with murder and awful deeds just because of how our system is set up. And guys like Dirty Harry are the ones who actually bring justice Mm
1: -mm. through
0: hard-boiled action. He's the... Dirty Harry, I think, was the first, like, cop who plays by his own set of rules, takes the law into his own hands. Like, I think Dirty, Dirty Harry was the prototype for all those guys we saw in the 80s and 90s. Like, in Lethal Weapon or... things like that. The 70s were also big on martial arts movies, which is more from the East. So... I don't know a lot about that, but Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris and guys like that were huge in the 70s as well. So, Western audiences started getting more accustomed to different types of action. It wasn't just cowboys and guns anymore, gangsters and cops and robbers. But we were starting to get hand, like, actually well-choreographed hand-to-hand combat by people who knew what they were doing and we're like oh there's other ways to fight our bodies are weapons too we're seeing a whole new form of violence we've never really been accustomed to in the movies this is strange and then in the 80s they just <laughs> all all the formalities oh, well, just got this. stripped away <laughs> the 80s is when we get roided out muscle-bound guys sh- shooting up armies with submachine guns and taking bullets like they're nothing they're just they're invincible guys. <laughs> your Stallones, your Schwarzeneggers. It's just mm-hmm. things get crazy in the '80s. But then something weird happens in the mid '80s, where a little movie called Die Hard comes out, and that makes it it all it changes everything again because Die Hard was the movie that made your every man the hero. You didn't have to be a Schwarzenegger or a Stallone who was impossibly superhuman to Who had perfect to, hair. Yeah, to be a hero. You could be this dirty New York cop crawling through uh, <laughs> crawling through ducks, getting you know like stepping on shards of glass and bleeding, hiding from the bad guys for most of the movie. He doesn't take on anyone head on. He's actually got to use his wits. He's got to think about stuff. He's just a normal guy who got put into a bad situation, which seems like a no brainer for a, for a story. But most action movies featured larger than life characters who were more ready for action like this. You know, you even go back to like Zorro and, and Robin Hood, those guys were. They were trained for this. This is what they did. They fought the oppressors. That was their whole mission in life. Or James Bond is, a, is another big example. He, he's a trained spy. He's 007's the best there is. He's trained for this. He goes looking for danger. Or Stallone and Schwarzenegger, Dirty Harry. These guys go looking for danger on their own terms. John McClane has danger come to him and he's not ready for it. Yeah, he's a cop. He's trained. But what makes Die Hard special And it's Christmas. Is, and it's Christmas. <laughs> what makes Die Hard special is that I think this is one of the first action movies where you really genuinely feel like this could be you or me in that situation. Yeah. And that changed action movies forever. Because then you look to the 90s and you weren't casting giant muscle men as heroes anymore. You were getting guys like Bruce Willis or Nicolas Cage or... Keanu Reeves in, in, yeah. in stuff. They're more well-proportioned. Like They're more average guys. It's more everyman tales in action. But the action movie genre started going really big in the 80s and it never really slowed down. So in the 90s, you have an even bigger escalation of things and you start converging that with special effects and other influences that came before. You don't get the matrix without martial arts movies of the seventies or die hard showing that heroes didn't have to be big men or, Mm -hmm. or movies like star Wars paving the way for special effects, um, or work or, um, things like, like terminator two using CGI to great effect. Like, like, a lot of things were happening in 1999 when The Matrix came out and revolutionized action cinema again. It just, it it brought it to a whole new level because now we're dealing, we're putting philosophy in action movies. It's not just about social problems or just, oh, good guy beats bad guy. We're evolving again to, are we even real? (laughs) Or do we exist in a computer? Like fighting for fighting for humanity is also a mind game now. He's pretty weak in the real world, but in the virtual world he's a god. Which around the time of the internet, that's also a huge thing. The online identities and whatnot. So we're we're talking a lot about the real world too in coded ways. So the Matrix is huge for so many reasons. Revolutionized special effects and then everything action movies kind of became a clone of that. For a while.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of copycats from the Matrix
1: for years.
0: Every kind of action movie was Matrix-inspired for the longest time. Yeah. And then in the 2000s, you get more
1: superhero movies. Are, are Maybe that's just because that's when I grew up, but
0: that's what I consider action-heavy in the... But this is all weird because,
2: like, it's weird when you say like superhero movies or action movies to me because I do agree with you, but I feel like it's a subgenre at the same time.
0: It's a subgenre. Well, okay. Let's now. I'm thinking of more superhero movies, but you were also getting movies like the 007 reboot, Casino Royale. You were getting Jason mm-hmm. Bourne, another one that was massively imitated as well, the shaky cam style, going back to espionage, but we're doing it gritty now. We're doing mm-hmm. We're not just doing. We're not doing this heightened version of espionage where it looks cool and you want to be this guy. We're doing the grimy, dirty espionage where you're being hunted the entire time as a spy. Everything is life or death. It's tense. The protagonist isn't really cool. He's just. And we're
2: going to cast Goodwill Hunting.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> Turn Matt Damon into an action star. The, the protagonist is constantly. It's funny, being those hunted. movies
2: the producers at the time when they cast him, they're like, they weren't sure he was going to be great for the role or something like audiences were like really Matt Damon because at the time, the only like action thing he's done was oceans 11, like the ocean movies. And even then those aren't like huge in terms of it. He's done more like drama and like down to earth, like film stuff. And then Jason Bourne shows up and he's one of the,
0: (laughs) one of the modern day classic action heroes. Yeah. And then, Things like Batman Begins as well. Come to think of it, the 2000s, the trend in the 2000s was to strip back. Things were getting too big by the 90s. So James Bond goes from riding tidal waves to doing parkour. Uh, The the spy movie (laughs) genre goes from from heightened stuff like that to Jason Bourne. Just super gritty, down-to-earth kind of things. Batman goes from bat nipples and neon to Christian Bale. On, like, on, a, on a level of grit never really before seen. We're just... The 2000s was about reboots a lot. Mm-hmm. Like That's also when we started getting more, fra- more franchise things. The yes. 2000s is also sort of the revival of long-running franchises as well that just wouldn't seem to die, like Die Hard. We got Live Free or Die Hard. We got Indiana Jones 4. We got more Matrix sequels. We were starting Mm -hmm. to get, this is kind of the beginning of the legacy sequel era. We got the Star Wars prequels as well. This is the part where things started franchising. We weren't Mm -hmm. being as inventive about the kind of movies we were making anymore. It wasn't, let's invent all these new crazy genres. It was more, let's take the stuff that was already popular and keep doing that again. Bring back the same stars over and over, and we're, we're kind of still doing that. The only thing that was kind of fresh at the time was Marvel. Iron Man 2008 kicked off
1: a whole... kicked off the superhero movie genre in earnest, and... It proved that superhero movies could work if treated well,
2: and planned well, and treated with respect.
0: Yeah, so now action movies didn't just have to be goofy one-offs. They could be an entire or... or sequel to death they could be an entire cinematic universe which wasn't Mm -hmm. a thing at the time plan right actions could be an entire multimedia franchise that you can market to death like everything's interconnected character like some action hero can meet up with another action hero and they can both coexist there wasn't this like macho kind of contest of like in the past when action heroes might get together there was this clashing of like oh who's the tougher guy you didn't you kind of got that in the Avengers but they were a team Mm -hmm. it's like oh we can have a bunch of these big personalities together and yeah so that's that still keeps spiraling today so things just get bigger and bigger and bigger until they're fighting gods and snapping half the universe out of existence and that's just what action movies are now just mm-hmm. as big as you can possibly imagine. There's no limitation anymore.
1: Yeah. Uh, funny enough, just just
2: a random fact: Iron Man is one of the few MCU movies shot on film. Really? There's only like they switched to the full digital uh, around Captain America: First
1: Avenger. So hmm. yeah, Iron Man, one, two, the Hulk, and the first Thor are all shot on film. That's why they look great.
0: So basically all of phase one.
1: Except Captain America. Yeah. Mm. And the Avengers. Yeah. And you can tell. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: some notable directors from this era. I'm probably missing a whole lot, but um, I think Edwin Porter was really a big deal for making the great train robbery. That's mm-hmm. that was a big start. Alfred Hitchcock was very important to the idea of the action set piece. He was, I think, I've heard North by Northwest described as very important in that regard because of the big. Well, I mean, there's the the crop duster scene, is the classic Great movie, and also the end when they're at the uh, Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Is a big thing. Come on,
2: Joe. We watched this at York.
0: <laughs> that was seven years ago. <laughs> My memory's hazy. I know. Anyway, uh, who else? Kurosawa, once again, touching on the East, but he was one of the most influential directors mm-hmm. to ever live. A lot of his movies were remade as American versions. A lot yeah. of important directors were inspired by him. To you know, shot really
2: arrows at people. Yeah, that's wild.
0: I read that one of his big contributions to action was that he was a pioneer in multi-camera. Yes, a lot of these people, these action directors, did the classic one setup with one camera at a time. But he was like, "No, nah, no, nah, my action scenes are too big to do one camera at one time. I gotta capture everything at once." So he uses multi- like three cameras. To do things, and nowadays that's just sort of standard. Whenever you do a big scene, a lot of times you don't want to spend the money to do it again, so you just do it once and shoot it from as many angles as possible. Figure it out in the edit. That descends Yeah, from but cortisol. it's weird because it's
2: like it's edited in a way where it's not multicam. it's just it's like too jump cutty now. You know what I mean? Well, so yeah. Like, now I, they, now they I agree show. with you that it is like yeah, like it is multicam now, but it doesn't feel like it so I think that's a huge difference
0: they want to show literally every angle they took now yeah back then he I mean was there's like, a great there's a great clip cover.
2: where um Captain America's Civil War at the beginning where scarlet um Black widow is taking like literally taking someone down in like a ground move and it's literally eight cuts it's like that mm-hmm. that 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 of her just like tackling one guy to the ground and you're like Jesus luckily the rest of the film's not like that but my favorite... It's just egregious at some points.
0: My favorite one that I ever saw was Taken 3, where Liam Neeson takes 13. Oh my There's god. 13 cuts just to have him jump over a fence.
2: It's hilarious how bad
1: Taken 3 is. <laughs>
0: That's what action is now. When it's
1: oh, bad. Oh, man.
0: So who I else was jump Jake? cuts. Uh, Sergio Leone reinvented the Western. Mm-hmm. Took a lot of inspiration from Kurosawa and in uh, Eastern films to do that. But he made the Western badass. Because before, once again, the Western was kind of this uh innocent genre in a way. It was very black and white, good versus evil. And then Leone and the man with no name, Clint Eastwood, they come in and they're like, no, the Western's actually a pretty morally gray thing. So we're going we're gonna to treat it like, well, maybe we're not all good or bad people. We're just, some are better than others. So then he yeah. comes out with a fistful of dollars. Uh, then we get later on, like Francis Ford Coppola, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese. We get them in the 70s and 80s. And they're, they're doing big things as well. 90s, Tarantino. He uh yeah. Is Tar- Tarantino sure. stylized violence in a way that it was unique for the time. Mhm. Very grounded in the way he did
2: violence and
0: action. I think I think Tarantino's big thing that I can think of is the way he incorporated shock value into his violence a lot. Yes. Case case in point that scene in Pulp Fiction where Jules and Vincent are just driving with that guy in the back, and then mm-hmm. Vincent accidentally shoots him in the head just when he's asking him a question. That's like, yeah, there's violence in movies, but that kind of casual violence of oh, I just shot a guy in the head and there's blood everywhere and I didn't even mean to. <laughs> and like oh, that
2: man, I just shot Marvin in the face.
0: <laughs> yeah, that kind of casual violence that that was new, that was fresh for the time. I think. Yeah, you hadn't I mean, really see, like before. Violence was escalating, but it always had intent for the most part. I am trying to kill you for some reason or other. But then Tarantino comes in and people can be just violent for no reason at all. Or like in Reservoir Dogs, when the guy's ear gets cut off just because he's torturing him for fun, basically. It's... Mm.
2: Like, it's just... And his action has... His uh, Tarantino's action has actually um progressed throughout the years as well. I mean, look at Django, right? Or even in Glorious bastards where it's become even more gory and more um not spectacle, but in terms of just more violent as <coughs> excuse me, as um his career's grown, but also as his budget has grown further and further, where he just I bet he's just keeping the blood squib companies afoot with each movie he does. Especially with the uh, the bar scene in, in *Glorious Bastards* and also um, that house fight in Django. Those are the two noble yes. like, Tarantino action scenes I can think of. Oh, and Kill Bill, of course. The entire end fight scene in the first Kill Bill movie. Very much so. I always forget about Kill Bill, which is weird because it's like one of
1: my favorite movies.
0: To be clear, part one and two are one movie, correct? One movie, yep, correct. Yes. And his... And-
1: big brain. They're all one movie. And the last one I want to mention
0: is Michael Bay. I yeah. <laughs> love him or hate him, I think he's one of the most noteworthy action cinema directors of all time. I mean, the guy comes from a background of music videos, so mm. he knows how to make things look good. Is it the most inventive? Sure. Not, maybe, At least his explosions only. are real. He does... Big explosions, badass-looking guys doing badass things. Lots of slow mo. He's sunsets at night uh, or sunrise. I don't remember which he does, but he does like helicopters, Both. military porn. He he makes hey, action.
1: It's
2: called propaganda.
0: <laughs> that too, recruitment ads, glorified yeah. basically.
2: Well, that was the whole deal with like the Transformers movies. It was like will allow you to use military stuff if you just put, like, a certain amount in it. Because <laughs> it's just straight up, like, a whole ad for the military.
0: Yeah. But I got we're more going-
2: egregious as they went on.
0: Or if we're also talking super stylized, Zack Snyder is also worth a mention, I think.
2: Oh, yeah. For sure. Zack Snyder.
0: Once again, love him or hate him, every frame of his is a painting. It's gorgeous.
2: Yeah. More modern day directors would be like Chad Switowski, right? For
1: He did John James Wick, right?
2: Or John Wick, I mean. Yeah, yeah, John Wick movies.
0: Yeah. I think that's yeah. his name. Yeah. It's Daselski? Yeah, Stahelski.
2: it's a crazy last name. <laughs> yeah, anyway. He Who was, was a, uh, Keanu Reeves' stunt double on yeah. The Matrix, which is wild.
0: Yeah, see, John Wick is, I think, one of the biggest revolutions in action cinema because Mm -hmm. somebody got the crazy idea to let a stuntman make a movie about action. (gasps) Wild. You you mean somebody who actually has lived and breathed real action would do an action movie? What would they do with it? Well, you get John Wick 1 through 4, some of the greatest action movies of all time. Mm Mm-hmm. I just like how in the last hundred years of movies, people who had no idea what they were doing are, like, they're making action. They're like, oh, I guess this would be cool. We can make this look cool. Yeah. When it's really the stunt performers making it look good.
2: Yeah. I think that comes also from just even... It's more so with all genres, too, where it's become more of a popular thing modern day where... um even actors now are becoming directors because i think it's more widely um acceptable now which is a weird thing like it wasn't not acceptable but it was just kind of faux pas to say like act like famous actors becoming directors back in the day like marlon brando only directed one movie and it's not one of his most famous ones
0: yeah it's but like you have stick
2: to your lane actors
0: now like yeah you're an like, actor stick to your mhm don't pretend you know how to direct because you are around movies a lot. Stunt guy. Don't pretend you know how to direct because you can take a hit or jump off a train or something. Yeah. Well, what he can't. now they realize, and,
2: well, since film is your life, do you want to direct a film? Yeah, sure.
0: It's worth of a shot, right? Maybe you should get somebody yeah. from a different background to come in and they'll take a new perspective on it. An actor has more perspective from an actor's point of view. So... You probably get a lot of great character movies from that. John Wick is one of the best action franchises ever. Once you know it, giving a guy giving the reins to a guy who knows action results in that. I don't know what I, if Chad Stahelski tried to direct another kind of movie. If he tried to direct a comedy or something, I don't know how that would mm. go. That's not really I think his main. Could do it. <laughs> I mean, he's got the experience directing now, I'd but if he, but if that was his first one,
2: you know, if Keanu Reeves
1: was in the movie, yeah, I bet he'd kill it. Yeah.
0: So one of the reasons I think action evolved and this is I I don't know if I should have mentioned this earlier. I didn't really know when to bring this element to it. But one of the big th- reasons action changed was because of the Hayes code which came about in the early 20s or 30s. It was it was around it was the silent era as a response to just debauchery and vulgarity in movies. They were, they were tired of movies just showing everything they wanted because it corrupts the youth, and mm-hmm. Hollywood's a cesspool. There was also a whole lot of scandals happening in Hollywood around that time, just making what? the entire film industry look bad and getting national attention. So they're like, we need to crack down, just in general.
2: Scandals in Hollywood? never heard of that yeah it's like every 20 years
0: <laughs> i think one of the big ones was when fatty Arbuckle got um can uh what's the word i'm looking for accused of murder like he's one of the biggest oh, jesus like he's one of the biggest film stars of the era and huh. he's he's accused of murder and that, and that's like oh Okay, I think there was also a lot of scandals with drugs and parties and affairs. What? It was uh, like Holly- <laughs> Hollywood was just considered like the most sinful place on earth in the 20s pretty well.
2: Mm-hmm. Isn't that what the whole movie Babylon's about? Yeah,
0: basically, it's about all those controversies and how the and because of them Hollywood became this more rigid place where you couldn't right. do anything fun. I mean, the actors Still did, but it had to be way more low-key. It couldn't just be out in the open anymore. People had to pretend to be decent in public. So here, but here's some of the things that were in the code that they weren't allowed to do in movies at like from the 20s to 30s onward. So they uh, be it further resolved that special care be exercised in the manner in which the following subjects are treated, to the end that vulgarity and suggestiveness may be eliminated and that good taste may be emphasized. So they weren't allowed to use the American flag uh, in an unfavorable light. Uh, they weren't allowed, to use, or any flag, I guess, in Another country's religion, history, institutions, prominent people, citizenry. They weren't allowed to make, like, basically treat everyone else like a whole country's flag or anything it represents is uh, unfavorable because I guess that would hurt international relations. Um, don't do arson. Be careful with the use of firearms theft, robbery, safe cracking, dynamiting of trains, mines, buildings, etc. having in mind the effect which a too detailed description of these may have upon the moron. That actually says that. I love okay.
2: how I love how safe cracking is in there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like that's um, egregious apparently. <laughs> brutality and possible gruesomeness. Technique of committing murder by whatever method. Methods of smuggling, <laughs> third degree methods actual hangings or electrocutions as legal punishment for crime sympathy for sympathy for criminals that's a big one attitude toward public characters and institutions (sighs) sedition apparent cruelty to children and animals branding of people or animals the sale of women or a woman selling her virtue rape or attempted rape first night scenes man and woman in bed together deliberate seduction of girls the institution of marriage, surgical operations, the use of drugs, titles or scenes having to do with law enforcement or law enforcing officers, excessive or lustful kissing, particularly when one character or the other is a heavy. So, oh my god! Basically, the, the rules in some say. Of these. Basically, the, the technique the of murder. <laughs> so basically, the rules say everything you do in a movie is impressionable, and don't. Don't do anything you wouldn't show to uh, try to teach a kid. Uh, yeah. Or, but it was also, like, all institutions of law and religion and the state must be respected. You can't show. It, that's one of the reasons action movies were so tame for so long, because even when they did have action, that's why, like, gangster movies got away with a lot, because... Well, first of all, you couldn't sympathize with the gangster. That was the big thing. Mm -hmm. But you could... This is why people got clever, and they tried to cheat these systems. So you could have a gangster movie where you followed the gangster, mostly. Even maybe kind of learned to like the gangster. But the end of the movie, they'd always pretty much wind up dead in a hail of bullets by law enforcement. Because crime doesn't pay. The law is always right. The gangsters are selfish people who have no reason to be doing what they're doing. You you can't sympathize in the end. They brought this on themselves. So you, you get your action. You get your hail of bullets. But it's for a moral reason. The police are good. The government is good. Crime is bad. This is what happens when you try to be a criminal, even if it seemed appealing for most of the movie. And that's basically the idea.
1: Crime Sorry, it always pays. People revving their engine outside my house feel like an old man. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> so that's basically the idea. But then, as we were discussing earlier, movies started trying to break those rules a lot. So then it kind of got to the point where the Hayes Code became a joke, and they put in the, the MPAA, which we Motion Picture Association of America, which we still had today which gives us our classic rating system, which we have from G to R, which I guess that was basically them giving up and saying, okay, you're allowed to have adult content in your movies, but we're going to not censor it, but we're going, instead of trying to go out of our way and censor it, we're just going to slap a rating on it that says only people of a certain demographic can see it now. So that was the next step up. They're like, okay, fine. You can have it your way. Movies, movies can be made however. But uh, not everyone can see them. So that's when movies were like, oh, great. We actually get an opportunity to be violent. So now we can make our movies or X-rated movies or NC-17 or whatever the highest ones are. We can, we can actually start going all out. And that's when we start getting our Bonnies and Clydes and crazy stuff like that in the 60s and 70s. And like I said, with Dirty Harry, things like that, we also start getting the idea that the law and law enforcement's not always uh, the best or most useful. And sometimes it's the individuals with power who bring the real justice or we start getting more indictments of the church or the government or other foreign countries. Like, I wonder if all those movies in the 80s that decry Russia and communism probably wouldn't have been allowed back in the Hays Code era. Nope. Unless unless they, you know, allowed made special allowances for propaganda. But mm. times changed. Action got more intense with it because it could. So that's why we have movies they are today shocking, violent, gory. I don't know what a Tarantino movie in the 30s would look like. But,
1: <laughs> Oh, God. He probably won't survive.
0: <laughs> yeah. Who knows? So, that's that in a nutshell. They just, they had to they, they evolved because they could and mm. got more shocking because well, if it wasn't shocking the old people, it wasn't good enough. You have to shock everybody.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of times where Hollywood has tried to censor a lot of stuff and it's just kind of worked out in favor of the people where just individuals rebelled and made shocking stuff anyway or just rebelled against Hollywood. I think one of the most famous ones is like the I mean the Hollywood 10 when they were like blacklisted from Hollywood because they were quote unquote communists
1: mm-hmm. and they
2: I mean they made a whole movie about it Trumbo where he's a very famous writer and he wrote for Hollywood for years and then he was a member of the Communist Party. This was after World War II, and you know, during the Cold War, he got blacklisted along with a bunch of his friends, but he just went under a different name and won two Oscars for it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Hollywood has tried to censor before and failed because they're easy to trick, apparently. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, and also just times change as well, where it's like, okay. People realize they were a member of a party, they weren't actually communists, or they weren't actually Russian spies sending, you know, information over to Russia.
0: They're just political activists who you don't like.
2: They just want you to pay their fucking set decorators. Mm -hmm. That's literally a plot point in Trumbo, if you've seen it. I have not seen that one. It's pretty good. It's the movie Brian Cranston was nominated for an Oscar for.
0: So I think the funny thing about the Hayes Code and this increasing level of violence is that modern movies are largely back to that kind of style of entertainment. You go to a typical, I mean, the big Marvel movies now, uh, the big action movies now are Marvel. So I'll, I'll pick mm-hmm. on them, as I so often do. But a lot of action films <laughs> like that are back to being safe, inoffensive, and mind-lemmingly dumb. Or yeah. they go exactly the opposite way, like your Tarantino's or your movies or your John Wick's, and are over the top violent and gory for Shock Factor. Super bloody and intense. And like, there isn't really a lot of middle ground action movies anymore. They're either trying, they're either going as hard as they possibly can to really push the genre to its limits, or they're just really dumb and like yeah turn your brain off kind of popcorn movie it'll make zero sense the main character will probably be super powered even if he's just supposed to be a bodyguard or something but we'll whatever he'll survive anything
2: now I'm trying to think of a movie with a bodyguard who turns into a superhero I don't know I'm
0: I'm just throwing random
2: Aparna was like, are you talking about the Goon movies?
0: (laughs) I think think there there were a couple movies called The Bodyguard, and I think that was Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson. I think.
1: Uh, The Hitman's Bodyguard, yeah.
0: Hitman's Bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they made a sequel to that somehow.
0: Somehow. Yeah, so they just get more... So we either have shocking or safe. Mm -hmm. And then... And then you have the occasional one, like Mission Impossible, which kind of rides the middle, I'd say, where the action's just really good, uh, it's just really well shot and choreographed, but it's not too gory or violent, it's just the most intense part of that is- is, is this It's the more stunt, stunt work
2: where... than gore work.
0: Is this the stunt where Tom Cruise will finally kill himself, watch and find out?
2: Nope.
0: <laughs> no. Although I did hear a a story about the newest Mission Impossible they filmed where they said that Tom Cruise insisted that they do the most dangerous stunt on day one because he said, well, if we do it on day one, we'll know if we need a massive rewrite. And uh, if the movie doesn't have to keep going, we won't waste anyone's time.
1: I mean, he's right. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where
0: we're at nowadays. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I
2: think... um, With people like Tom Cruise, especially him, he's so into the action genre Mm -hmm. and has such respect for it that he knows that spectacle doesn't have to be something bad. He knows that when you put something real on screen, it affects audiences. I mean, look at what one of the best movies of last year was Top Gun Maverick. Mm -hmm. You see him in the cockpit. You actually see him flying around the uh, canyons. You feel the tight turns, you hear the loud breathing that he's doing because of the G-forces on it.
0: Even if that wasn't physically him flying those military jets, he was still somebody. They were still real jets doing real stuns.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely insane.
0: Which is an important factor. And I think that's why Tom Cruise gets a great reputation where other people falter is because Tom Cruise is known as a guy who likes doing things for real. Mm-hmm. When we see when we watch those same fighter jets in basically any other movie we assume they're computer generated. When we watch those fighter jets in a Tom Cruise movie, we assume they're real.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think his reputation has a big factor in like we know Tom Cruise is the real deal. So we can trust what we're seeing here and and it's funny. It's funny how that metal game plays an effect, right? Because they're, they they could be using practical effects in a whole heap of other movies, but I'm not feeling those thrills because I just assume it's CGI and fake. And yeah, like, but if I knew it was real, I'd actually feel the danger a little more. Oh, if I thought those were actual stunt guys, I'd feel like oh wow, can't mm-hmm. believe they actually did that. And then you read up on it later, and you're like, oh well, I would have liked the movie more if I knew that. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I think that's the problem. The movies are about suspending your disbelief, but our belief is suspended so much nowadays because everything is so over the top. I don't know what's real and what's fake anymore. I don't know what I'm supposed to be thrilled by or just turn my mind off and enjoy. I don't know what to appreciate anymore is good action.
2: Well, the thing about the Tom Cruise movies that I appreciate is he makes it a point in the movies To make sure you know that the action is real, I mean, there's long takes of him setting up the action set piece before it actually happens, especially in Mission Impossible movies, like in Fallout when they're flying in in the mountains near the end, or uh, when he's in Dubai and he's traveling on the tall, he's running on the tallest building in the fucking world like a maniac. I mean, and again, also there's all the promotion where he says, "Yeah, I did that for real," but in the movies themselves. It is made a point to be like, hey, this is me. I'm really flying. I'm really jumping off a mountain here. Um And I think that's what helps sell the the spectacle of it. Whereas something like in this is a huge left turn, but like Ant-Man Quantumania, when they're running away from gunship fire, you're just kinda like okay, I'm just like I'm just seeing explosions of random him in like a random small ass city and it's not really doing anything for me like wow, he's being paul shot Rudd, at and they're not doing anything for me
0: i'm like wow paul Rudd on a green screen this is so thrilling um it's a volume i actually don't know <laughs> paul Rudd running on a volume so thrilling Tom Cruise running on the side of the actual tallest building in the world. Wow. I can't believe it.
2: And we're not even saying that like, you have to go Tom Cruise level in terms of action. It's just when something looks real, it's just going to affect audiences more. Like, look at Fury Road. It was one of the most popular movies that come out that year, and it's still talked about because so much of that, there's a lot of CGI in that movie, but a yeah. lot of it is practical and mixed in with it.
0: CGI is a great tool. Mm. for it's one more thing in a filmmaker's arsenal to to punch things up a little bit or to create effects you wouldn't necessarily otherwise get to create which that goes to the suspension of disbelief in that if it's if it if you're creating something that couldn't necessarily be created i'm always going to know it's not real and therefore be a little less invested so the trick is to use cgi for stuff that you're trying to hide but it's still believable yeah Practical should be first and foremost when it comes to action. Because if you can't if you can't imagine it actually happening in happening in real life at a certain level of danger, then it's not gonna really affect you the way an action movie should. You need to yeah. believe what you're seeing for it to give you those thrills, right? Mm-hmm.
2: I think you nailed it on the head where you said CGI is a tool and it should be used more as a tool, but most modern films now are using it more as a, a, a dependent than a tool.
0: It's not CGI should be like a hammer you use to mm-hmm. build a structure. Instead, they're not using the foundation. it. Yeah. Instead, they're using it as the foundation or the structure itself. They're, they're building the whole thing around it, which, well, yeah, no wonder most of your stuff collapses. It's not yeah. what it's for.
2: I mean, why do you think people love those 80s action movies? Because it's real explosions. It's real people flipping and jumping. It's real people getting hit. It's real people doing like the blood squibs and modern. And the only reason and it's what sucks now is the reason why they're using so much CGI now is just because it's cheaper, which really sucks because like and even though like I love this is kind of not part of the action, but I love uh, miniatures I love when they're used properly to make it look like you're in like a giant world. Yes. Peter Jackson used it a lot in Lord of the Rings where he used it in Rivendell and Gondor. They used these miniature like cities and scanned them in and implemented them making it look like it's this grand giant thing. They used it in Total Recall where they're on Mars and they're going through Mars Mountains, whatever they're called. Uh, it's just the the, yeah the implement of miniatures i think is really well done because there is it's just the level of detail there where you can tell that it's real where if it's a 3d structured and it's it don't make it wrong like the best cgi is background work because you can't tell most of the time exactly and if it's lit properly you can't tell but it's just something special about miniatures that's really really awesome especially in the 80s uh where they, they've used miniature cars to... I mean, there's that famous... I think it's Volcano, it is. quarter Digital just talked about it, where you see these miniature cars. Well, miniatures. They're like one-fourth the size uh, to scale. And they're driving over what looks like hot lava, and they're sinking into lava. But it looks super real, because it is. And it's just stuff like that that sticks to your brain.
0: Yeah, the only problem with miniatures nowadays and this is part of the reason they don't use them, is because back in the 80s, they didn't have high-definition cameras. Mm-hmm. So nowadays, when you film something, even on your phone, it looks more fake. You can tell it's a, it's a thing. Before, the cameras had just enough poor quality that you could kind of pretend a model was a real thing, and it, it granted you more of an illusion. Nowadays, even on models, you need a lot of CGI just to make them look convincing. Mind you, having a practical base is still important. That's still better than a full CGI thing. Yeah. But you need you need little touch-ups, even, even using models nowadays, just so that it looks believable on HD cameras. I hear
2: what you're saying, but I think that also has to do with how they're shot. If you're shooting it like it's a miniature, then you're, it's going to look like a miniature. But if you're shooting it like it's supposed to look to scale and you're slowing down the frame rate well enough, then it's going to look real.
0: Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, of course, the quality of the miniatures is also very important as well. Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, that's the thing, too, where in the 80s they cared so much, they put massive amounts of details into miniatures, but also um, uh, like background pains as well, where there's super amount of detail. Where now, as you might get like a team to do it real quick in like a week or so, because time and money and they don't want to spend too much money on it. But back then they just cared more. So I think detail work is yeah. really the, the most important thing.
0: Okay, well, here's an example of them caring more or just giving more time, granted. Let's even take a look at old action movie CGI versus new stuff. Look at Jurassic Park. That movie mm-hmm. came out 30 years ago, used CGI dinosaurs, and even the textures on those dinosaurs, the way they move, the way they... Everything about those dinosaurs is nearly photorealistic. They're still, they still hold up 30 years later. Last Jurassic Park movie looks super fake. Mm-hmm. Newer doesn't always mean better. The VFX artists, maybe they didn't have enough time to do it. Maybe they just stopped caring. For whatever reason, the dinosaurs in the new one look fake. The old ones still are timeless. Yeah. And... So CGI, even when used in big doses, isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's who's making it, how long do they have to do it, and did the people behind the scenes care enough to make it right? Or are they just cutting corners and putting out a product? Yeah, the movie needs mm-hmm. dinosaurs. Make something that doesn't outright suck. Yeah. the thing with the, the original Jurassic basement.
2: Park, that's, like, that's a perfect representation of practical mixed with uh, CGI as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the yeah. most famous scene is that T-Rex scene where they're in they knew at the time that the their skin texture wasn't perfect but if they put it like it looked like in the rain, it looked photoreal. And it does look photoreal.
0: Yeah. That's why everything is set in the dark now.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: you can hide oh it. Oh my
1: god, everything's you know set in the fucking dark.
0: That's another problem with modern action movies is that everything's set in everything's the dark. Everything's
2: in the dark.
0: Because they have so many special effects shots they're trying to hide. hmm And speaking of trying to hide things, you're trying to hide your stunt doubles and everyone so much now, because I guess people can't do choreography right, that you have to cut around them a million times. It's either people can't do choreography yeah. right, or you're trying to make it faster cutting seems more intense on paper. Like interior. It's a little of both. On theory, yes, it does make it more intense. But also, you completely lose a sense of geography if you're going too fast. You can't see what's happening at all. How am I supposed to? Like, half the time I watch action movies, I think to myself, the choreography looks decent. The actors or stunt people seem to be doing it decently. But I can't tell what the hell is going on.
2: Exactly. Because the filmmaking and they fix this. sucks. They fixed this in like the 80s and the 90s where they have you get the stunt people doing the choreography in a wide shot like it doesn't have to be super far but make sure that their faces aren't shown and then for the insert shots you get just their like facial reactions just a few times. I'm not saying you have to do it jump cutty because that's what you're doing now and that's what's wrong, but that's how you get people to stay invested if the actors aren't don't have enough time to do the choreography or don't want to do the choreography Show the stunt people doing the choreography and that will make your choreography look good and it will make your film that much better. Like what, some of the also, most egregious I've seen in recent times has been um in the boys, where it's either like jump, 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 or in uh in not all of the action, but in one the one training scene that's pretty famous, and then a couple times in Game of Thrones in the early seasons.
0: The other thing I think happened was the Bourne movies. Ruined action cinema, both shaky cam. Yeah. Everybody tried to be the next Bourne movie, thinking that, once again, in principle, the idea works. Shaking makes you kind of nauseous, makes you feel like, oh, the camera's in the action, so I'm watching it through the camera, so I'm in the action. It feels like it's an immersive experience, like being on a roller coaster or something. In reality, it just... stops you from being able to see what's going on. And clearly it's distracting.
2: The newer Bourne movie, like 2015, where it was Matt Damon older was the most egregious out of it. And I, people I've told that to people before and like, no, it wasn't that bad. There was a shot in the trailer where it's the first opening scene where Matt Damon's in like a fight club scenario or whatever, or Jason Bourne is, I should say. And he walks up to a guy and knocks him out with one punch. And it's shot beautifully. It's kind of still. It's not shaky cam. It's like a perfect shot. And in the movie, the cameras flipped on to Jason Bourne's back. And he goes up, knocks the guy out. But it's shaking the whole time. And it's not that good of a shot or that memorable. People remember the trailer shot, but they don't, don't remember, remember the, the real movie shot. So you're just kind of sitting there like, and I was sitting in the theater being like, oh, no, this is going to be bad. And it was super shaky for the entire time. I love Jason Bourne. I love those first three movies, but fuck me.
0: I think the other thing that stretches some believability is that all the good action stars are old now. Like, they're, yeah. still, they're still... I just made a list just this morning, just off the top of my head. Not even, I didn't even need to look anybody up. This is just the list I came up with. Keanu Reeves, Harrison Ford, Tom Cruise, Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Bruce Willis, Denzel Washington, Nicholas Cage, Liam Neeson, Sam Jackson, Jackie Chan, Michelle Yeoh, Sigourney Weaver, the entire Expendables cast, William Zabka, Ralph Macchio, and even other big ones like Vin Diesel, The Rock, Crips Hesworth, Jason Statham. They aren't in their prime anymore either. They're not as old as the other guys, like in their yeah. 60s and 70s, or even 80s for some of them. But like, why are most of our action stars in their sixties, seventies, eighties? It's crazy. All our hyper Like you work. can
2: make you can make an argument that most of the younger action stars are in the superhero movies, but those are that's kinda of like a subgenre, but it's not like classic action. And I think what the problem is that these older actors are used to the action. This isn't the movies they grew up on, but it's also the movies that kind of help start their career, and it's just stuff that they are fond of and People will be drawn to it. It's weird because when you're trying to sell an action movie, you have to sell the movie, but you also have to sell the actor at the same time. Yeah, it's 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 the strangest thing. I mean, it's the same thing with comedies too, where the new Jennifer Lawrence comedy movie came out. It's um whatever it's called, I can't remember, but it's literally about this woman trying to seduce this younger guy in order to get a car. It's it's just. A simple like classic like 2000s comedy movie and it's being advertised everywhere like comedy's back because studios have abandoned the straight up comedy genre for the longest time because it doesn't make that much money because of, again, residuals aren't great and streaming isn't great in terms of, like they're basically streaming movies now. But if you get a top actor slash actress ahead of the role, it could do very well. I think it's called No
0: Hard Feelings. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, I think the problem with modern action actors, though, is that a lot of them just can't pull it off. And I've heard some people level this complaint before it, you know, at our generation in movies specifically. But I think a large part of the problem comes down to. I'll just say it. Our generation is wussy. (laughs) Yeah, we're a lot wussier than those old guys. Are we? Like we have a lot of issues, obviously, you know, we deal a lot with mental health struggles and those are, those are real. Those are valid. Those are all things we have to work through to be our best selves and better people. But let's face it. We haven't really faced a lot of real hardship. Our generation Mm -hmm. hasn't had any major wars we've had to fight in or famine or disease or I mean COVID, but that didn't like even that affected more older people. We just got. Locked in our houses, which once again, more mental health than actual. I read, like, a we stat haven't, we don't, we don't really have any real of, danger.
2: Yeah. I read a stat where, and I don't know how true this is, in terms of globally, this is the most peaceful the yes. world has been with the entire, like, the entire world. Now, there's been, of course, like the Russian Ukraine war, Afghanistan, America, like, there's those a lot of things wars. happening
0: around the world, but just, yeah,
2: but globally, it's been the most, like, chill.
0: So that's the problem. Like, these guys, like, all these old action stars grew up in rougher times or had, mm-hmm. par- or had parents who grew up in rougher times who made them a little more hardened as people. I believe these guys in their action roles. You throw somebody like, no offense to him, but you throw Tom Holland in, 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 in thing, I'm like, well, yeah. yeah. You know, he's got, like, he's an athletic guy. He can physically do action but i don't actually believe him as a genuine badass like harrison ford yeah. seems like you know, like he's he's 80 well, I but I wouldn't, also... I wouldn't want to take a punch for him but like i believe you as a genuine badass like people our age feel like they're playing at being badass
2: exactly they just they I aren't think, yeah. actually i think it's an age thing too because you just believe that when an an action actor is just a bit older like even 30s or 40s you can tell they've been through shit Whereas again we say like Tom Holland he's twenty seven, right? What has he been through? Nothing. So (laughs) like, um, unless you do, I mean, he was he was in that uh, tsunami movie, but he was super young then, and that wasn't really action; that was more thriller.
0: Okay, Uh, fine. Let's say someone like I think it's called. But even like him
2: in Uncharted, like that's technically an action movie, but it's not known for its action, right? And they didn't try to make it super gritty or well i'm not saying it should have been super gritty but they didn't try to make it grounded in terms of action they tried to match what it was happening in the in the game
0: yeah okay let's, let's take somebody like okay because indiana jones is all the top my like harrison ford versus i don't know who's an actor in their like an action actor in their 30s like i don't know chris hemsworth let's say sure so Harrison Ford in his prime versus Chris Hemsworth. Who do you believe is an actual real-life badass? Harrison Ford. Yeah.
2: Well, Chris Hemsworth is a unit, but... (laughs) No, I just mean like they
0: they look... Like Hemsworth looks good, but I don't believe he's a genuine badass. I think he just looks like an action hero. Harrison Ford doesn't have that kind of build, but I do believe he... Like, he'd kick my ass Mm. in his prime pretty easily.
1: Oh, for sure. Or he'll just shoot you. Yeah. It's like...
2: a Raiders joke, everybody. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs)
0: The the new guys are all show. The old guys actually felt like, yeah, okay, maybe they are just actors, maybe they've never fought in wars or anything either, but there's something a little more hard about them that I can believe you as a military guy or police or whoever... Criminals, hardened gangsters, whatever you're playing in action yeah. roles. I can. That's why, I, like, try to cast. I don't know. Timothy Chalamet is John Wick.
1: No. I
2: mean, even in Dune, there's some action there, but you don't. You wouldn't consider him like. It's kind of almost its own subgenre as well. I would almost put it in the same categories of, like, fantasy or superhero.
0: Yeah. Where... Paul Atreides is not supposed to be, like, the biggest badass i think uh, kind of but he's
2: it's weird yeah yeah he just looks like a baby
0: yeah but he's kind of supposed to he's supposed to be this young hero which yeah. is part of the point of that dune's a little weird it's unconventional mm-hmm. but you just i don't know our generation's just i don't think we're gonna make for good action stars and that's why I no. every-
2: and i think that's just the That's just the evolution of what film is now, because in terms of like our modern action stars are in the subgenre of superheroes. I think that's just how, or fantasy, that's just how Hollywood's gone. And I think the idea of the classic action movie is only being made by these older actors because that's where they're coming from and that's their field. It's what they respect. It's what they love. And, and those are all they the best, know how to do.
0: And those are all the best ones because they're, yeah. they're, more, they're more real. Mm-hmm. Like, you feel more badass. You're doing practical and real things with real model work and stunt work and all this. Young actors don't feel believable in the parts. And they're just acting on green screens. There's no sense of danger. It's all... It's all fake and for show and you can tell and it's just it's weak. It makes the action genre weak altogether. I mean, you look at once again, I'll pick on Marvel a little bit. You go back even 10 years ago to the beginning of the MCU and like even even the actors they had then, you know, I was already I was picking on Chris Hemsworth a little bit compared to someone like Harrison Ford, but I'll take Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr. I'll take them over, whoever they're replacing them with. They're, yeah. all, they're all younger. And I mean, you take that group of Avengers and you look at somebody like, I don't know, Stallone or whatever, and he's probably like, oh, they aren't actual action heroes. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the newer people and you're like, oh, well, the original Avengers look like massive badasses compared to them.
1: Exactly, it's just, it's just weird. We're, we're, we're a weird on this,
0: time. we're on this downgrade of the action genre in general, just in filmmaking and acting, and mm-hmm. like, every, oh yeah, my other point was that every action franchise that's been long running has tried in vain to install legacy characters to take up the mantle. Because all these old guys at some point, or executives, were like, well, let's phase the old guys out and bring new ones Because their
2: contract's ending.
0: <laughs> Never works. Every time they've tried, it's been a failure. And then they got to keep making ones. I keep yeah. bringing up Indiana Jones because that's very top of mind right now. We've talked about it a lot the last few weeks. But I'll say, they've tr- that's a franchise that tried twice. In 2008, they're like, oh, Harrison Ford's getting a little old. Maybe we'll get someone like Shia LaBeouf to replace him. That didn't work, so they had to make a fifth movie and then try to make another replacement because the first one didn't stick. And if this doesn't land, mm-hmm. they might have to make Indiana Jones 6 with another replacement. And Harrison Ford's just doomed to do these movies forever. Die Hard did the same thing. They tried to replace John McClane with his son. That didn't work because nobody liked him. Top Gun Maverick yeah. tried to have Goose's son as a, as a big part of that one. Well, yeah, like We liked Rooster. He's one of the few that legacy characters that we enjoy star Wars Mm -hmm. did it Uh, like every major franchise that's run for decades has tried to have characters to replace the old guys, but they don't stick. So we're just, we're just doomed to see the old guys get older and yeah. Well,
2: we're in this weird era of Hollywood and film and movies where for most of the year, I will say I won't say it's for all, the entire year because of course Oscar seasons but the originality of film is slowly dying out. We are in legacy sequel franchises, trilogies galore mm. or adaptations from popular books or popular comic books. It's just so hard to find anything original or anything And the problem is, it's not that these legacy sequels or these franchises are bad, it's just they're so egregious now that a lot of people just get sick of them. I mean, think about when Marvel, around the time of 2016-2017, to there was definitely a little bit of Marvel fatigue, and now there's huge Marvel fatigue after uh, the Infinity Saga now, where people are trying to find new superhero genres poor fucking DC fans have been hurt in the last 10 years where now they're doing a reset and their films now aren't doing so great in terms of box office because they know they're doing a reset. And if so what's the point of watching these films if they're not going to be in the new franchise, but that's a whole different discussion. But when you get films that are original and are talked about more and more, it's, it's hard to even have them be successful because they're just not talked about enough because we're being shoved in our faces so much about these franchises and legacy sequels. My favorite film, one of my favorite films that was original um, that came out last year was Banshee's of Inner mm-hmm. And yes, it was talked about a lot, but it wasn't talked about nearly enough as Thor, Love and Thunder. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's just one of those things. And I think it, it also has to do with Oscar buzz. It came around, came out around the time of Oscar season. So there's so many movies coming out. Um, The only recent movie that I think that was original and that came out recently was um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Like that was probably the only one I can think of in recent memory. And that's just because there was so much passion and love put into that. But But also that, that you could you could consider that to be a superhero slash like CGI fest action movie as well.
3: Yeah.
0: But even that one, you see, is an original, but it's banking off of someone like Michelle Yeoh mm-hmm. in her whole history with action movies. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Can you imagine if that started... I mean, like, the whole point was that she was a middle-aged woman, but uh, if you have... Yeah. If you have something Awkwafina. like... <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever. If you have somebody... New, in an original movie. Like, all these people that we're talking about made their names off original franchises that just won't mm-hmm. die, is the thing. It's crazy. They're not really giving people a chance to have... Like, they're trying to make replace them in their old franchises instead of making new ones. Yeah. Which, a lot That's of the problems the problem. we talked about will still be there. I mean, like, I don't know if the actors will be believable. I don't know if the special effects will hold up or the filmmaking will be worth your while. But at least... At least they have a fresh start and no baggage. Mm-hmm. There's a chance to do something good. Like, I know Dune's an adaptation, but I'm like, it's doing a good job. Yeah. You get your movies like John Wick that come out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, it's wild.
2: I mean, and that's one of those ones where people didn't really go see it at first and then just yeah. word of mouth spread.
0: Because it, it looks like, like just a. The- yeah, cuz it looked like just I remember watching that first trailer movie. and yeah. being
2: like this is going to be terrible. Yeah. And I watched the movie and I was like, "Wow. Pleasantly surprised."
0: Yeah. That happens every so often, but it's rare. Very, very rare. It's wild. I th- it's so weird cuz it's like
2: <sighs> It's it's ju- it's just a very weird time we're living in because in even I'm quoting Kind of, I'm like butchering what he's saying, but Matt Damon's talked about it where in the 90s, you could make movies where they didn't have to have the box office success because of the DVD sales. Like you could make movies for the DVD sales and you could get the success there. That's why he's done movies like Rounders and um, Talented Mr. Ripley. Like those, those were good movies, but they weren't like box office successes. Um, But now you have to make it for, like, people don't want to make films for streaming because it makes no money. And they don't want to make it for DVDs because they don't make no money because of streaming. So, and so when you try to, so, excuse me, when production studios don't want to do nowadays, it's take risks because risk to them means losing money. But in order to make something iconic and make something, That stands out. It has to be original, and it has to be something... It has to have people that are passionate behind it, and it has to be
1: something new. It just has to be. Most recent example, again, John Wick. Yeah. I think that's why
0: the action genre is slowly dying, though, is because short of a couple talented people in Hollywood with the tools to work with. They don't... I feel like they've hit a wall. hmm As we've been talking like about what this much whole, more can you do? As we've been talking about this whole time, it's all about the evolution, right? I mean, at the very beginning, you weren't allowed to do anything. So the sky was the limit. But it's like I was saying, nowadays, every film is basically... You either go as hard as you can, or you just settle for mediocrity. I appreciate the ones that were trying harder, even if they're not for me, but how much more can you shock people? What can, how much more can you do before we suspend our disbelief? We're already at a point where human beings are basically made of rubber. I mean, another Hmm. good example more recently is Fast and Furious, which I haven't seen these movies either, but those just started as simple car racing movies and now they're going to space. They're just invincible. They make no sense anymore. That that escalated within a period of 20 years. Yeah. it's And how much further are they going to go? It's already past the point of ridiculous. And people enjoy ridiculous to a certain extent. But we've seen grounded action movies done very well. I just don't know how far you can go with it. We've seen foot chases, hand-to-hand combat, car chases, boat chases um like all manner of locations around the world um helicopters planes parachutes swimming underwater in the sky wherever you name it it's been done and probably pretty well by somebody i mean you could argue that's just all film in general what more can you do that hasn't been done there's always something new I mean you look at something like once again John Wick and it's just yeah you do about everything as well as it can be done you take a kind of set piece and then you just you try that and you do it as well as it can be done which is great for that franchise but I can tell they're running out of stuff hmm. every cuz every every movie yeah, it's like can oh definitely well tell. Yeah it's like, well, how many times do we need to see John Wick disarm a guy and double headshot him or hand to hand combat? Like, yeah, you're coming up with new moves, but we've seen him do this a lot already. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not the movie's fault. It's still doing it great, but it's like, okay, how much more do you have to show? Yeah. At least Mission Impossible. Yeah.
1: I mean, we're coming up
2: on like 100, almost 100 years of classic Hollywood movies. So yeah. the Which, well is run dry.
0: Okay, in that case, I'm going to pivot to another thing that action movies do now that maybe, maybe this could help. Maybe you need to look back to the past because the thing about old action movies compared to new action movies is that old action movies weren't focused on the action. They were focused on plot and character. They primarily told a story that was usually in some exotic location, crazy things what happened, you'd meet all kinds of colorful characters, charismatic hero, think classic Sean Connery James Bond, for a good example, he was a globe trotting hero, tried to stop the villain, but action wasn't at the forefront of those movies. It was about the espionage, the seduction, the cool lifestyle the how does James Bond handle these kind of villains, outwit them. It was more about the mind games. And they do not necessarily have to be a lot of depth to that, but the action was kind of secondary. It's, it was as a consequence to whatever else he was doing in the movie. He was going one way. It's classic screenwriting, right? You, a character wants something. What are they going to do to get it? They try to do that. What obstacles are in their way? In action movies, the obstacle leads to action, usually. Mm -hmm. But that's not really how modern movies are written. Old movies were written with obstacles that they just plugged in action. New movies are written with the action first. They write the action set pieces and then come up with a loose plot to make it make sense, how they all tie together. And that's the problem. And that's why action movies today are getting old, because you're thinking about all these action set pieces instead of trying to tell a compelling plot that'll stand the test of time. And there's only so many plots you can tell, too. But if you tell a good movie, people will come back. And if you make the action good, that'll be even better. I don't return to movies like Star Wars because their action is particularly. Good, like it is the you know it's a little dated now, mm-hmm. but it's I go back because of Han, Luke, and Leia, and these little rebel faction trying and to Chewbacca and Chewbacca he was there too, and R two <laughs> and three PO and all the gang, whatever. But I go back because it's this it's this underdog story about a little group of rebels trying to topple an oppressive regime, and the action's there, but it's not the most important. It's just exactly. It's just a vehicle they had to tell the story. Okay, how are you going to blow up the big like? There's this big space weapon for the oppressive regime. Okay, we got to destroy it. That's a natural action scene. Mm-hmm. It's like it's the whole goal, but it's not. You know what I mean? There's a, There's there's action set pieces that you plan around, and then there's a plot that happens to have a lot of action. We need to move back to that for action yeah, genre exactly. to have any kind of relevance. I completely just, agree. Now it's just getting stupid.
1: (laughs) Fast 5 in space.
0: The fifth one in space? So like Fast 15?
1: I don't know.
2: I said like Fast 5, like there's five of them. There's way more of them.
0: There's like 11 In terms of
2: people in the group.
0: (laughs) I think Fast 10 came out. Fast X.
2: There's going to be a Fast 10 part 2, apparently. Great. They said, our Vin Diesel's like, Fast is going to be a trilogy. What are you talking about?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's not the state of arts work. You know what? That's another problem with action movies is that they're not made to... Because they're such a popular vehicle for the box office at this point, it's like you were saying, things like Talented Mr. Ripley or... Uh, what was the other one you said? Rounders. Rounders. Things like that. There was a time when you made movies not for the box office. But nowadays, theaters are one of the only bets theaters have consistently. So you need Mm. to make movies spectacle-driven to go in theaters. Therefore, the action genre is one of the most lucrative, probably the most lucrative genre in theaters today. Except they all feel the same. So, I totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) Hate when Uh that happens.
2: Um. Theater sales lucrative. Uh
0: theater sales, lucrative. You can go smaller scale now. Oh man, I completely lost my oh, head. No. <laughs> I, <had> <laughs> I had a good point. What were we just talking about? I don't know. Smaller. It <laughs> was something point? about it was something about smaller scale movies. They couldn't afford to mm. do that.
2: Yeah, they can't afford to do it now, but they could because of DVD sales
1: back then.
0: Yeah. So all these spectacle-driven movies are just kind of the thing right now. So you better make them good. That wasn't my point, yeah. but I'm—that's the point I'm making now.
1: I hear what you're saying. I mean, even there's a when it's waiting for Indiana Jones,
2: they played a trailer for. I think it's called the Creative, something like or the Creator. It's a movie yeah. coming out in September. It's about, um. Jonathan David Washington protecting this AI robot child. I think the trailer showed the entire movie, if I'm being honest.
0: It looked good, but But it's
2: it's basically about AI versus humans and how AI took over the world, but it's not like Terminator-esque. They kind of look like... It's kind of like a mixture of Terminator, but also District 9 in a way. Yeah. And it looks really good, but you can tell that's just a full-on action fest. It's just like the entire trailer was like two and a half minutes. It was just mostly to deal with action and not the story and i feel like it could be a good story where this uh human is who is protecting this ai child but there's just so much action put into it and it looks good but it's just super advertised as action and i can't judge it too much now because the movie hasn't come
1: out but it piqued my interest a little bit but you can tell it's just action first yeah
0: for sure I'm still trying to piece back together my thoughts. <laughs> <punch. laughs> I'm nearly there. I'm so close. It was it was going further along the line. It was like because they're the most lucrative thing out there, they make a whole whack they ton make a of, bunch of money. They make a bunch of money, and that's why they make a whack ton of sequels. Oh, now I remember. They make so many sequels to things because it's the most lucrative thing, and because they make so many sequels, they're expecting the story to continue. Mm-hmm. So nowadays they don't have any incentive to make good standalone action movies. Everything needs to right. set up the next part. You can't just have a good one and done. Mm-hmm. Even even a franchise we love like John Wick, first one was one and done. They were smart there, but two, three, and four are all back to back. Don't even bother watching four if you haven't seen two and three.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Don't even it bother also has watching to do with- three.
2: Yeah. also has to do with like name brands as well like they know the marvel movies will make money so they'll just make marvel movies they know fast and Furious movies will make money so they just make those and they just don't they worry about the action first and don't worry about the story as much i mean the most recent marvel movie i can think of that worried more about the action instead of the story was thor love and thunder They have that whole sequence in the black and white uh, field, like the dark dimension, wherever they called it, the Yu-Gi-Oh ripoff, where they Hmm. set up this entire lighting rig where, and they filmed it at like 5,000 frames per second, where they just had these lights, strobe light the entire time, where they could manipulate the lighting either in, in post to have, a certain actor light on all certain angles. So basically they filmed it where they had the actor lit at every single angle possible. And then since they um, filmed it at such a high frame rate, they could manipulate the lighting to make it, make them lit wherever they want to. And it's a really cool idea really cool concept for the future, but it's not used that much in, in the end, uh, in the end result where I see, The action scene was pretty decent, it looked well done, but if you talk about the story, it's not that great.
0: So they are trying to make some solid innovations still. Some people are, which is good. They just need to find the right projects to use them in. Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, it's a cool idea, and Quarter Digital does a much better VFX artist reacts, if anybody's wondering. They do a much uh, deeper uh, deep dive into that, where they he um, Ren, who's on the team explains how that technology works it's a really cool concept but then again nico brought up the point it's not really there in the end result yeah and that just goes to show um whose vision it was i think i think taika watiti still has a good vision in terms of direction
1: and visuals but i just don't know what happened there
0: i think he i think he just kind of skirted by on improv didn't Mm -hmm. uh Pre-production side wasn't there. Yeah, they just he might have gone. I weren't. mean, he
2: got lucky with Ragnarok, where he said like seventy-five percent of that movie was improv. And I bet a hundred percent of Thor and Love of Ragnarok was improv as well.
0: Yeah, I think they just they didn't plan enough. Mm-hmm. They didn't have enough structure to play. I think Ragnarok had a like a solid structure, and they just kind of oh, played sure. within it within the sandbox. I don't think Love and Thunder had a sandbox. It was mm. just sand. On the floor. And
2: that Make-A-Wish kid story is really cool for Ragnarok. Do you know that story?
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I have heard this one. He was, okay. uh, the arena was his idea, right? Or he yeah, was... the,
2: or the where, um, Hulk comes in and he says he's a friend from work. Ah, uh, the line. It was
0: the line. Yeah. And it was something in the arena. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So technically yeah. A, a 10-year-old has a writing credit for Marvel. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> or should have a writing credit.
0: Good for that kid. It's like 15 now, I, guess. I hope he's
2: okay. I hope he's okay, because it was a Make-A-Wish to go on set. So, yeah. I hope he's fine. But there is, for not to get too dark, Make-A-Wish kids, they can get better. It's not like a one and done, but it's just like a foundation where, or a charity where they, um, you donate to them, and then they give the kids who are in that program, like a lifetime changing thing, where... They could either go to Disneyland, go to set somewhere, or you can even have like celebrities show up. John Cena is the most famous one for doing it. He's done like I think over five thousand make a wishes or something like that. Good for him. Yeah. Nice guy. It sucks they can't see him.
0: (laughs) That's a dark joke to make there. No, because it's his thing. (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) I'm not saying they're blind. Still a dark joke. Oh, come on now. People it's, their it. wish. It's, it's their wish, and he's there, but he can't see him.
1: Whatever.
2: I thought it was funny. It's it's, it's better funny. than the one you bleeped out a week ago. <laughs>
0: yeah. You're funny, Ryan, I swear. You got any more to say on action? I think I said most of what I got to say. Um, uh, it
2: sucks. It sucks now. It's terrible. I mean, it's slowly, you know... Trying to come back, but I don't think we'll ever get back to the golden age.
1: It really sucks. I don't Man, know I what missed... action's going
0: to be when all, all those older folks that I keep talking... I don't know what's going to happen when they all retire or die or can't do action anymore. I if really They're don't all going to be gonna...
2: CGI'd and deep faked into new movies.
0: Oh yeah, sorry. I forgot about that mess coming yeah. up.
2: They're going to sell their likeness away and then... Give that to studios. Right.
0: I forgot about
2: all that. I joke about that, but that will happen to some
0: actors. That's going to happen. I don't know if it'll be the industry norm, but I think it'll happen more and more often. Oh, yeah. It'll be cheaper than hiring
2: real actors. 100%.
0: All you have to do is hire nobodies to do mocap work. Exactly. And you can do whatever. It's all on a green screen anyway. We're just making glorified animated movies. Bringing back the dead.
1: Bring back the dead.
0: (laughs) So that's the future of action. You heard it here on Close Up is uh, glorified ghosts. Mm -hmm. Uh, In in animation.
2: We'll have Christopher Reeves fight
1: Marlon Brando. Yeah. Not Um, as Superman, just them. As themselves, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: I've heard they didn't super get along in real life, but
1: nobody got along with Marlon Brando anyway. Yeah. Well, he got to a
2: point in his career where he just hated acting. He was just like fed up with it.
0: I think I've heard Christopher Reeve decry his unprofessionalism. He's like, yeah, he wouldn't even learn his lines when he came here. He was just kind of yeah acted above it. Yeah.
1: So actually, Hmm? I mean, good for Chris Reeves though, for calling him out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So (sighs) yeah, that's the main difference between now and then back then. I think the thing was, things were more real. The actors were more real. The sets were more real. The action was more real. Nowadays it's all fake. Mm -hmm. They're still making some innovative techniques. A lot of good stuff had to happen for us to get to where we are today, and we got the right tools to make some really good stuff, and some people are. But just
1: the general, I don't know if it's unoriginality, laziness, studio politics, you name it. But the action genre is suffering. It's got
0: potential to get better, though. There's some lights in the dark. It's not all bad. Mhm. Just wait till the Marvels. Anyway, for it to collapse or
1: get better, what's your? What do you think, Joe?
0: <laughs> uh, if The action right. movie genre collapses on the release date of the Marvels. Coincidentally, <laughs> you heard it here.
2: All right. Well, you can find me at Ryan Walker official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. We are st- still trying to stream Jedi Survive right now. We will be streaming Spider-Man later on for hype of Spider-Man 2, so that'll be fun. Look out for that.
0: All right, they call this a call to action. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlayMedia. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us on audio, check out our YouTube channel, and if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next Close Up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time.
1: Take care.
3: Ow. Action.